just throw it a mic and ready to go. <clears throat> Scripture tells us in Second Peter chapter 1 that by God's divine power he has given us all things that pertain to godliness and to life because he's called us by his own glory and by his goodness. And through these things, he has given us very precious and great promises that through them we might participate in or taste of the divine nature. And at the same time as we do this, we can escape the corruptions that's in the world that has been brought on by evil desires. And for this very reason, he goes on to say, you should add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance or self-control, patience or perseverance, you should be godly in nature, add brotherly kindness, and of course charity, which is love. He says, for if these things be in abundance or increasing measure in your life, you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to that, but if you don't have these, then you have become nearsighted or blind, and you have forgotten that your sins have been washed away. But he says, if you do confirm these things in your life, you will also never fall or stumble. He says that then you have not forgotten that you have been cleansed from your sins. Our message for this morning actually comes from verses 12, 13, and 14 in the same chapter. Peter said this, I will always remind you of the things, these things, even though you know them and you are established firmly in the truth that you now have. He said, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body because I know soon I will put it aside just as the Lord Jesus has told me. So he said two things to us. I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and I think it is good to refresh your memory at this point in journey in his life as well as ours. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Okay. Bow with me for a word of prayer just for a moment. Almighty Father, we thank you again for our time to come together this day. How good it is to read from your holy word. We are grateful, deeply thankful for the journey that you have given to each of us in our life's walk. As we take some time this morning to read from your holy word, and as we reflect on the things that you've given us to guide us and direct us in our path, we ask, please, that you would refresh our memories that you will remind us of those things that are part of our journey. And in so doing, Lord, please draw us closer to you. Everything that we speak, all of our thoughts and intentions this day, are to bring glory to your name, that is, to honor you. And we are thankful, dear God, that we have a time that we can make this as part of our life and part of our journey. Be with us now, please. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. So here's how we'll continue with our message for us today. I think it will be helpful for us in all aspects of life. When I read from God's word, and I remind you of some things that God has given us, I would like for you to think, refresh your memories, remind yourself of all the things that God has done for you in your life's walk. Many of the passages that we read or that we hear, you have heard them many times before. But to each one of us, they mean something special or different because we all are our own individual believers. 
And our journey, although very similar in some ways, also are special and unique to each one of us, which would be important for us to understand regarding God's relationship to us. So let's start right where we left off. Have you added to your faith virtue, which is goodness? Are you a good person? Have you gained knowledge since you've obeyed the gospel? Knowledge about God. Have you practiced self-control or temperance, as the scripture says? Have you learned what it means to persevere or be patient? Are you godlike in your living? Are your words, your thoughts, your actions, what God instructs you to do? Do you practice brotherly kindness? Are you mindful of those that need assistance or help? Do you pray for one another regularly? Next, do you love? Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples indeed by the love that you have one for another. So, you've been reminded. How does your memory think regarding it? How well are we doing? Let's try another one. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it said, God took dust from the ground. He formed man, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. That isn't a whole vivid description of who we are as individuals, but it certainly describes the fact that our breath that's in our body has been given to us by the one who created mankind. I think Psalm 139 says it better than any others. Verse 1 says, You have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You watch and discern my going out and my coming in, and you are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it completely. You hem me in from behind and from before. Your knowledge, this knowledge is just too much for me to attain. It's so wonderful. I cannot fully understand it. And then he goes on a little further. He says this, where can I go from you, O God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, or if I go to the far side of the seas, even your hand holds me there, and your right hand guides me. There is no escape from God's presence. Consider this for a moment. Every thought, every action, every part of your life's journey, God is present. As a matter of fact, he knows exactly what you and I are thinking right now. He goes on to say this regarding you as well. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. This I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was formed or made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and you even knew all of my days that were ordained by you written in your book before any one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to try to count them, it would be like trying to count the grains of sand. And yet, when I awake, you're still with me. Think about it for a moment. Now, many of you know that I'm a twin, so I shared my mother's womb when I was being formed or shaped. And yes, my twin brother and I have a lot in common. But we are still two different people. And each of you 
are by God's design one of a kind. Think of that for a moment. All the days of your life have been ordained by him, it says, before any one of them ever came to be. Makes you pause for a moment and think how much God really thinks of each one of us. I don't see him in heaven snapping his fingers every few seconds and creating mankind. I see him as thinking and caring, delivering you, your present, your journey, your life, your choices, decisions. He's all part of your journey. Consider that as part of who he is now in your life. That's probably why it says in the last two verses of this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts. If there's anything in there that needs to be corrected, if it's offensive or wicked in any way, then set me on the path everlasting or set me on the path of righteousness. Yes, that would be our call for all of us as God has worked with us and guided us through all of our life's journey. I like Psalm 103. Think on these things. Refresh your memory. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse us, and he will not always harbor his anger against us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love that he has for those that will fear him or reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so our God has compassion on those who fear him or revere him. For he knows how we are formed. God remembers that we are dust. He is a compassionate God. He is a loving God. He is long-suffering. He is patient. All of our sins and iniquities, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed them. How do you measure distance from east to west? You go so far west, you hit east. You go so far east, you hit west. In other words, he's removed all of them, taken them away from us. In addition to that, he remembers that we are dust. He knows the relationship between the human and the spiritual side. He understands those moments that are difficult, those things that are challenging. He knows what you're going through, even today, if there's a struggle in your life. Verses 17 says this, from Psalm 103. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with them who fear him. His righteousness is with their children's children. His love is with those who keep his covenant and with those who obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. From one generation to the next generation, God is unchanging. He remains compassionate. He remains long-suffering. He is full of grace. His love continues, especially for those who fear him and reverence him. Good to be refreshed and reminded. I like the words that are in the book of Isaiah, Chapter 40 in particular, one of our readings for today as well. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah. The Assyrians had overtaken the northern kingdom, soon to invade the southern kingdom. And in this particular passage of scripture, the prophet Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Ghost, as we know from Romans 15, 4, and 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, 
that the Holy Spirit guided Isaiah to give them instruction regarding the arrival of John the Baptist, and he took time to talk about God himself and who he is. And in that, he was trying to remind the people of just who God is and how they have abandoned him in their worship of false gods. It is a reminder for us, it is a way to refresh our memory from the words that are written as to just who God is and what he expects from us. I like it the way it's delivered because it kind of is in the rhetorical questions. He says this, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand has marked out the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Who has weighed the mountains on a scale or weighed the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? With whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught the Lord the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, showed him the path of understanding? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Can you imagine being the people of Israel hearing it? We're hearing it now. Do you not know? Have you not understood? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? The Lord sits on the circle of the earth, and all the people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads a tent so that we can live in it. Think about it for a moment. He sits on the circle of the earth, observing all of us. He sees us as grasshoppers, hopping all over the surface of the earth. You know, whatever generation we're born into, where we live, I'm sure we look more like grasshoppers today than we did back then. Because we certainly can cover some ground in our life's journey, can't we? What the places we've traveled to, the trips we've taken, all the distance, the places we've gone, he probably watches us and observes and says, they're really bouncing around now down there on that earth. And, of course, he's not doing it to say it in an evil way. He's just recognizing the fact that all his creation moves about, does not stay still. Then he says this again. To whom can I compare me? This is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one? Calls forth each one of them. By name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is ever missing. I don't know if you've ever done it, but if you've gone out on a cold winter night when the sky is clear, it almost appears somewhat like, like daylight because the sky is so bright, shining with every star. And think about it. God says, look up to the heavens. Just look up. Pause for a moment and think about all the starry hosts. Who brings them out every night? Calls them all by name, one by one. Stretches them out like a canopy, like a tent for us to live in. You know, it is amazing. God has placed us on earth, created us, given us a thirst to dwell in. And we haven't done such a great job sometimes in taking care of it. We leave quite a few scars on it. He doesn't let us do that to the heavens above. Oh, yeah, we might have taken a trip to the moon, but we never went back. You know why? <laughs> because there wasn't anything there in the first place for us to do. We can't live there, right? And we can't damage the stars. We can't do anything to them. As a matter of fact, we can't live in that realm unless we're in some kind of a device that gives us oxygen to breathe. So when you look above, no matter what happens here, 
we can never forget that there's someone else who created this place and the heavens above. Refresh your memories. Renew your minds. Consider it. And then, of course, the scriptures we had for this morning. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired. He will not grow weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. His strength, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope or trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not stumble or fall or get weary. They will walk and not faint. What's the scripture telling us here? Our life's journey no matter how long it has been, sometimes we've been soaring like eagles. Life is young, fresh, good, alive. Even our relationship with God, if we obey God early in our life, it is filled with excitement. We run the race, as Paul talks about when he wrote to Timothy, to do all that's necessary to receive the prize. And of course, we get to the point where we walk. I'm at the age now where I walk more than I run. Just because I don't want to stumble or fall. But because of God's strength within me, he renews me every day. Every day. Isaiah 55 is another one that gives us good thoughts, good intent, good information. Now, in this particular passage of Scripture, there's some things written, I think, that are important for us to remember as well. He said to seek the Lord while he's near, call on him while he's nearby. He told the wicked to forsake their evil ways. God will forgive them. But of what is interest to this is the part in verse number 8. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens is above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Amen. But it's in the next verse that really gives us a mention and increases our knowledge and understanding of just who God is. He says, just as the rain and the snow falls to the earth, and does not return to it, until it has watered the earth or nourished it so it can bud, so that they have seed for the sower and have bread for the eater. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void. He says, it will accomplish what I desire, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Consider that for a moment. My word is just like the rain and snow that falls from the sky nourishes the earth so that it buds so that it can bring forth vegetation for the seed for the sower, bread for the eater. When my mouth goes forth from my, when my word goes forth from my mouth, the Lord says, it will not return to me empty. You know, the first verse, 9, talks about the water cycle, which we learned in school. The second verse talks about the cycle of God's word and what it accomplishes. So let's talk about that. Let's refresh our memories for a moment regarding it. I don't know how your journey began, your journey of faith. Some of you might have been born into a family that was already practicing God's truth. Many of us probably were born in families that believed in God because as young children, probably all of us were taught to say our prayers at night, bless our food when we eat, be polite to people when they speak to you, say thank you, say please, know how to be kind, considerate. And, of course, all these truths come from God. 
So you were sort of introduced to him. But regardless of how it began, all of us here, I believe in this audience, have obeyed the gospel. And in so doing, your faith journey has brought you to this point today. So let's revisit it for a moment. These are the scriptures that Peter told those who he was writing to that are need to be reminded of. You know them, but they're still important to us. For instance, Hebrew letter tells us that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's kind of a little bit of a mouthful, but it does talk about it. But that's what faith is. You can't find it in a jar or a medicine cabinet. It's part of what we believe. But it is the substance of things hoped for. So it gives us hope and renewal every day because we believe. And even in verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person or persons who will come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. In John chapter 3, it says in verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus by night. He didn't want to be seen because he believed some things about God, but they didn't match up with what Jesus said. Might have been the same for you and I. We had a belief in God, but didn't quite line up with what the scripture said. In any event, he wanted to be enlightened, just like you and I. Jesus said to him, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, but how can a man be born a second time? Can he enter his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus just answered again. I tell you assuredly, Unless you are born of water and born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, typically we'd think at that point, the discussion might be over with. But he continued with Nicodemus. And then he gets down to the 16th verse in John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The one who should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that through his son, the world might be saved. And of course, there were those that would not accept him or believe him. But you and I, let's be refreshed and reminded. We do believe. We did accept. Or maybe you came a different way. Maybe you made a lot of bad decisions, bad choices. Because of the bad decisions or poor choices, there were a lot of consequences that happened in your life. Things were messed up. You're in a dark place. It became difficult for you even to think that God could even do anything with you or help you in any way. And then, of course, the words of Jesus come forward again for you. Maybe somebody shared it with you. Come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek or gentle in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And they had real meaning for the person who's in a dark place because only he could fix the situation and circumstances that you faced. In any event, I don't know how you came, but you believed. Next, you decide to make a change. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to turn. Scripture calls it, godly sorrow brings about repentance in 2 Corinthians. But in addition to that, you also saw the effect that it had on other people around you. Someone or someones influenced you to follow the same path. 
because you saw the word of God working in their lives. Now this is the time we need to refresh your memory when you share the gospel with someone. You, by God's providence, have become the door that opened the entrance in the journey. Give thanks for a moment. Refresh your memory regarding that. The next thing you had to do was make confession. Why? Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my heavenly Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. In addition to that, maybe you talk about Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he confessed him. From that point forward, you followed Mark 15, 16. When Jesus gave instruction to his disciples, go into all the world, make disciples of men, teach every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be condemned. I don't know what your journey was like. I don't know what your mind went through while you were thinking about when you obeyed the gospel or who influenced you to do it. But you're here today. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 55 when God said, my word goes forth just like the snow and the rain. It will not bring back to me emptiness must be void. It will accomplish what I desire. It will bring about the purpose I'm looking for. My purpose was for you and for me to obey his word and to enter into everlasting life. John chapter 1 verse 12 says we became the children of God. So does 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. We became God's children. I was God's child. He put breath into my body. He's looking for those he's created to return to him, to live eternally. You've decided by what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. You chose a path that is straight and narrow. Few there are that find it. Think about that for a moment. You took away or turned away from the broad, wide way that leads to destruction. Many take that path. You decided to listen to what he said in the 24th verse of that same chapter. He said, if you'll obey these words of mine, you're like a wise man who built this house upon a rock. And when the storm and the rains came and the floods rose, it stood. Think for a moment. Renew your mind. How many storms has he brought you through? How many times has he delivered you when you thought there was no deliverance? It's because you obeyed his words. You held to his words. You followed what he told you to do. It's good to be reminded of what God has done for us, isn't it? And how he helps us and saves us and brings us. How did Jesus do it? Because now he's the one we would follow. He said, no one comes unto the Father except by me. Well, first of all, we need to keep the same mind that he had. Philippians 2 tells us, even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the form of a man. He humbled himself, humbled himself, even to the point of death on the cross. That's part of our nature. We have to remember continually and be reminded to submit to one another, humbly approach life, and of course, always humbly approach God in all of our desires. It says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, 
He offered up prayers and petitions with tears and with cries to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Even though he was a son, he became obedient on the point of death. And after he's made perfect, he became the author or definer of eternal life. And we also know this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse I think it's 14. He says, uh, during the days of his life here, not only was he obedient to God, but he demonstrated what it means to remain faithful to God. It describes him as a high priest, Jesus that is. It says that he was, uh, although the son of God, he was, un- he was able to withstand all kinds of temptations, all the ones that you and I have to go through, and yet without sin. And why did he do this? Well, he wanted to do this so that we could approach God and his throne of grace with confidence. You know, I receive mercy, of course, find grace in time of need. So here's our remembrance at this point. When no one else could help, when no one else had the answers, when there was no one else to turn to, there was always God. No matter how difficult, how severe it might seem to you, He's always there. So since we have this confidence that Jesus is our high priest, 1 John chapter 2 says he's our advocate. Since he's sitting there for us, whatever it is we're experiencing, he knows exactly what we're going through. And because of it, he knows how to intercede on our behalf with the Father. And since we're able to present ourselves before him, we can ask for mercy and grace in time of need. It's great to have a wonderful redeemer, isn't it? Someone who cares for us continually, always mindful of us, always aware of us. And then, of course, there's one other part about us that I think we should remind ourselves of as well. When God called us with this gospel call, and we obeyed the gospel, Acts 2.38, as Peter was given the answer to those who said, what must we do? Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for remission of your sins, and receive the gift of everlasting life, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have God's Spirit. Let me mention some things here regarding from 2 Corinthians. I think this is important. It says in the second chapter, We declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, and then Paul, the inspired writer, quotes Isaiah again. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is ever conceived, the things that God has in store for those that will love his appearing. And how do we know this? These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. He goes on to say this. The Spirit, God's Spirit, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit that's within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. And why? So we may understand what God has freely given us. There's no excuse for us. We understand what it is God has given us because he's given us of his spirit. The spirit helps us to make decisions, makes choices. When we are tempted, he is present. Even in Romans chapter 8, verse 
It tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we are praying, telling us and guiding us, directing us on how to make the right choices. Think about that for a moment. You know, I like the smartphones. They're good to use. Whenever I have a question, I've really learned how to use that Google search engine now to get what I want to know. But think about this for a moment. God has all the answers to everything we need to know regarding life and everlasting life. And in addition to that, he's given us of his spirit to help us to remember, to make good choices, to make the right decisions, to be mindful of the dangers that are around us. He just didn't have us enter into his kingdom and leave us alone. That's why Jesus promised to his disciples as he prepared to die that I'm going away. When I send the counselor to you, he'll guide you into all truth. Think about that. We are guided into all truth. Wonderful thoughts regarding who God is. Tremendous thoughts. Let me close on one final passage of scripture here, I think, which is easy for us to understand. This is a scripture that probably many of us in here have known for a long time and have learned a long time ago for some of us. It's the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now as we refresh our memories, as we think a minute for a moment what it is to be guided by the shepherd, by green pastures, still waters. I know everyone in here can't say this, but I can, rec- I can say this regarding my life's journey. 71 years of age, and I've never been hungry in my life. Oh yeah, there might be some times when I wanted something, but I never went to bed or laid down someplace not knowing when I would eat again. Not everyone can say that. Restores my soul. The shepherd knows that those who are well taken care of in this life physically their inner man is also content in many ways. In addition to that, he's aware of us as well. He knows how to guide us in all things. Lead me beside still waters, restores my soul. He knows all the things in my life that need to be corrected, changed, guided, filled up. Oh, yes, how I love him so much regarding it. Not always everybody can say that regarding us. He goes on to say that he will guide us in the path of righteousness. For his name's sake, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, for my God, you are with me always. The rod and my staff corrects me. Now think about this for a moment. In the moments when you've had your greatest fear, I don't know what it might have been. It might have been a doctor report. Maybe not a doctor report. Maybe just a feeling you had that you never had before. You don't know what it is, and you're concerned. Many times I think it's just a part of growing old. (laughs) We don't want to accept the fact that we are growing old. But in any event, it occurs and the thoughts come. And then the thought comes, you know what? I'm not staying here forever. This life has, this life journey has an end to it. But yet, I fear no evil. I fear no end. Thou art with me. The rod and the staff, they guide me. Bring us back to God's word and how it makes a difference. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Think about those three phrases for a moment. No matter who's opposed to us or what's been going on regarding it, 
this I view as persecution. Our whole Christian journey, has it ever been interrupted in any way that we had to make a point deciding whether we should live or die for God? The scripture tells us we don't have to make that choice because Christ already died for us. But if you lived in a time when Peter and others were writing, death was a very eminent threat just because you profess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Never had that happen to me. That, my dear friends, is a good shepherd. In addition to that, you anoint my head with oil. That's usually a designation of someone who is special, someone who has attained a particular position. Jesus said those who would be servant of all would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. So as we serve, as we provide for others, God is actually anointing us with oil. In a sense, he's preparing us for our presence with him. Continue to serve. Continue to look for those in need. Continue to come to the rescue of those who are suffering or hurting. Be anointed with oil. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's good to have mercy. You know, often people talk about who they want to see when they get up to heaven, who it is they want to ask questions about, Maybe it's a scripture I don't understand and need to know the answer for. I've always thought there's only one thing I want to do. Please, Lord, let me in. Ask for mercy, because God has given it to us. And goodness will follow us all the days of our life. If we remain merciful to others, God will be merciful to us. That's a simple six verses of scripture in the Psalms but it says so much about our lives. And if we were to compare what it means to be in God's flock in the time we live and the time we've made our journey, there is so much we have to be thankful for, so much that God has given us. Let's close on this particular passage of Scripture. All men are like grass and the flowers of the field. Here for a while wither, the wind blows, we're gone. Or James chapter 4, I think it says, our life is but like a vapor that appears for a little while and then is gone. I remember as a boy delivering papers during the time of the season of change, of course living in a valley, there was always a mist or haze in the valley on an early morning paper route. But by the time that sun got over that peak on East Hill, it was in a matter of minutes that mist was all gone. And so when I think about being a blade of grass or a flower that falls and I'm gone or a mist that appears for a while and goes away, I think, you know, for 70 years I should be more of my life than just that. Is that all God thinks about me with my life? But that's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is telling us that in God's sight, who knows about eternity, which we can't grasp, that's what our life is. We're here just for a short time and then gone. So what's the message? Be mindful of all that God has asked us to do. Refresh your mind. Renew your memories. Think about what he's done, what he intends to do, and what he has in store for us. Remain faithful. 
Stay busy. Reach out to others. Be the servant that God has called you to be. Fulfill the purpose that he has for you in your life. No matter what the years may bring, remain. Stay with him. Be patient. Fulfill it. I hope today that you have been renewed in your mind, that your memory has been refreshed, as Peter talks about. And as you go back over scriptures that you've known for many years and recall them, just take a moment to thank God that not only did you get a chance to have someone share them with them or that you heard them, but you believed them and you obeyed them. And because of it, you are where you are today. And of course, all by God's design and by his purpose, you're fulfilling your life the way he intended you to fulfill it. And as a result, he has everlasting life waiting for you. There may have been changes you weren't expecting, but that's okay. God knew how to carry you through all of them as well. If you're here today and you have not entered into Christ, you have that opportunity. We can baptize you today. If you declare that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we will baptize you and your entrance into Christ begins. If there's something in your life, if your memory, your mind has been reminded today that you should do better, that you can live better, it would be good to let God know that and have us pray on your behalf. In any event, if you have that need or that request, at the time for a shepherd's blessing, you can make that known to us as well. Let's bow. We thank you, O Father, again for our time to come before you in your holy word. All the days you've given us, they are so precious. All the ways that you've guided and direct our lives, we thank you. And for those moments that are before us and the days that now lie ahead, Please, help us to remain faithful. Give us the strength to renew. Your grace be bestowed upon us. Call us, Father, in a way that is according to your will. And yes, Father, we are thankful for Jesus, our Redeemer. His presence at your throne makes all of this possible today. Help us, Father, please, to be good servants, good stewards of all that's given, to continue to seek out your knowledge and truth that's written in your word, and to use it in a way that fulfills all that you have in store for us. We love you, Father, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.